Mission Chats with John Crow. Well, I'm excited today to introduce you to Brett and Christy Zimmerman. And we've known each other for quite a while. We're thinking back to where that all began, and it's the mid-2000s. We knew each other from our church back in San Diego, and they've been serving in a fascinating part of the world. And I'm not going to say too much more, but welcome to Mission Chats. And I'd love to start off, as we usually do, just sharing a little bit of your story, your journey, uh, how the Lord called you into faith and into missions, and bring you where you are today. I think for me, it started back in the Navy, of all things. I was actually stationed in San Diego, and we were going to Portland, Oregon, to be one of the visit ships for the Rose Festival. Mm -hmm. And as we were going up the Columbia, I happened to be sitting on deck, and there was a float plane that was uh, practicing takeoffs and landings on the river. And it just kind of struck me in that moment. It's like, hey, that's what I want to do. I want to fly. And from there, began looking at schools that would teach aviation and uh, settled on Christian Heritage College in San Diego. At that point, I still really wasn't thinking missions per se, but how to maybe corporate pilot somehow making a, a career of flying. And I wasn't following the Lord uh, much, if at all, during the, my Navy years and even into college, if I'm honest. It, it just took a lot of the Lord working on me and giving me a, a stubborn wife that wouldn't give up on me either <laughs> to really begin following the Lord and thinking of missions. The Lord has a way of bringing you down. The last year of college, uh, I had lost the medical license to fly, so I wasn't able to fly for 17 years. Uh, just from that, you know, looking for what to do, we took a short-term trip, and here I'm going to spill the beans to Alaska, right. uh, nine, 12 weeks, something like that, uh, back in 98. And we didn't know anything about Alaska. We didn't know anything about the, the mission we were going with. We didn't know anything about the people in Alaska. It was just kind of a, a whim. And we wound up falling in love with Alaska and falling in love with the people. And I think it was from that point that I began to consider missions uh, kind of a viable career path, if you will. And so, you know, that's kind of the quick story of uh, from my side. Right. How about for you, Christy? Yeah, for me, I decided to be a follower of Jesus at a really young age. At four years old, my parents loved the Statler brothers and the Statler brothers sing a song about the blood of the lamb. And so I asked my mom, what does that mean? The blood of the lamb. And she sat down and explained to me about Jesus and a sacrifice. And I was ready. I did not want to miss out on his sacrifice for me. And I wanted to be one of his followers as much as my little four and a half year old brain could understand that. So I grew up learning and growing in my knowledge of God's word and having him work in my life. And when I was in fifth grade, I just was really excited about sharing the gospel with my friends. And I just wanted them all to know and took some to camp with me and climbed into a bunk one night and got to explain the gospel to one of my girlfriends. And it was just this really momentous experience realizing like, 
I can share this hope I have with others. And I learned that at a really young age. And so when I was in fifth grade, I had to give a speech in school, what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I had two ideas. I either wanted to be a cattle rancher because my family are cattle ranchers, or I wanted to be a missionary. And I had this, you know, the big decision as a fifth grader to decide which of these two things I was going to become. So I called my grandfather, the cattle rancher, to research for my speech and asked him about being a cattle rancher. And he said, well, Christy, the first thing you got to know about cattle ranching is you got to get up really early in the morning to feed the cows. And right then and there, I decided I was going to be a missionary. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) And so true story, the Lord just guided my steps. But I grew up knowing that I wanted to serve people and tell people who might not otherwise have an opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus. And I grew up with that heart and call in my life from a very young age. Wow. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's amazing to see how even from those young ages, you can kind of have a direction from the Lord for your life. I'm always curious when it's a, you know, a married couple, how did you guys meet? Oh, yeah. Uh, Sat down next to each other at church on the uh, first day of freshman year of college. All right. (laughs) Yeah. This six foot blue eyed, blonde haired guy sat down next to me. He was a couple days fresh out of the Navy, sat down next to me in church. And that's about all it took. Rest was history. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. So obviously you've shared a little bit where you are now uh, up in Alaska. And I know, you know, it's been many, many years there now. And I know your ministry uh, focus and scope has changed here and there along the way. I'd love to hear just, you know, what you're doing today, uh, maybe some highlights of what you have done along the way and anything else you'd like to share with us about uh, what you're doing in missions. Well, we came to Alaska with uh, Send International in 2002, and this was out in Glen Allen, which is east of here, on the road system where the area had their headquarters, and there is the administrative offices, there is a medical center, radio station, and a Bible college, all the vehicles and housing in that area that needed maintenance, and so that's what I do. I'm not the upfront speaker type guy behind the scenes, keeping everything going, allowing those on the sharper end, I guess you could put it, to be able to do their job. So I worked the maintenance there. Christy was a full-time mom with our three young kids at that point. But as a mission, we were looking to expand back out into the bush villages off the road system that was going out into Antioch. And they were looking for partners. And so as a mission, we were praying for people to partner with them. And it was about three years into our first term that hit us that, well, maybe we're those partners. And so spoke with the mission leadership and they agreed. It's like, yeah, we think you'd be a good fit out in the bush. Mm -hmm. So for our second term, we moved to Antioch and we were in Antioch for 10 years helping at the church there to grow the church and this minister to the people in their time of need. It came about also that I became the fire chief out in Antioch. So running the ambulance, running the fire department, just serving. Right. So we were there for 10 years and through events that uh, we really don't need to get into, it, it became evident that we needed to make a change out of Antioch. 
we had been sending kids from Antioch over to Tenelian Bible Camp in Port Allsworth. And as we were deciding what to do, called up Mark McGee, the director, and said, do you need any help at camp? And he said, oh, yeah, we do. We need a lot of it. Come on down. Right. And that's how we wound up here in Port Allsworth working with Tenelian Bible Camp. And I am still the maintenance guy, the behind-the-scenes facilities uh, manager is keeping everything going. Campers are kind of hard on stuff. So, you know, I get to fix stuff all summer. And then Thanks. when the heaters break down in the winter, you know, running around and trying to get those going and uh, making sure all the vehicles and equipment is working. I manage the work crews in the summer to make sure dishes get clean, toilets get scrubbed so that yeah. camp can happen. For sure. So, one of those super important roles that you know when you're when you're doing it well, no one really notices. But yeah, yep. <laughs> yep. stuff isn't going so well. They're, they're coming knocking on your door. But exactly, <laughs> and then that's fine. But, you know, yeah, <laughs> slightly anecdotal here. We usually have I don't know 40, 50 campers for a week, and well, the, you know the sewer backs up, and I'm, okay, we got to open up the sewer, and the campers are all up there in chapel, and. And I'm down there cleaning the septic tank and people say, man, how can you do that? And I said, well, at least I'm not up there doing chapel. This is better. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> so, so kind of back up a little bit. You know, I had said that I lost uh, the medical mm -hmm. certificate to fly. And uh, for 17 years, I wasn't able to fly. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it worked out that I was able to reobtain medical certificate mm -hmm. and 2016 I think it was and so I was able to start flying again and one of the other things that I would do for camp is in the summers every Monday you know fly campers back to their village pick up another group of campers and bring them to camp so that was a big part of what I would do as well right. and then in the winter off season as much as we were able to fly out to these villages or follow up with camp, visit believers in these villages, encourage them, do some work projects, and just to, just to be an encouragement to those in, in the small villages. And when we're talking small villages, uh, some of these villages are maybe 40 people year-round. And Yeah. And yet they're spread over, I mean, amazing distances, if I've understood right. And so that's why you're flying as opposed to driving, even if there was roads. I imagine it would take forever to get between them. So, Yeah. So when we go back to Antioch, you know, take off out of Port Allsworth, point the nose of the airplane at Antioch, and there is nothing for 176 miles. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mountains and swamps and forests. Right. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. And Crispy is also very busy at camp. <laughs> I am. Yeah, that's it's a, that's such a good question, John, about where we live and what it looks like. You can only fly into where we live at Tenelian Bible Camp. We live in a small village, less than 200 people on a lake called Lake Clark, one of the most beautiful places in the whole world. And we reach out to about 30 different villages in Southwest Alaska. And it comprises a huge geographical area that we are reaching out to flying campers and families and doing outreach to year round from 
Tenelian Bible Camp. There are no roads in and out of where we live or in and out of any of the communities that we serve. There's only roads there in the, each community, but right. not really connecting to other communities. And sometimes in the winter, the rivers and lakes freeze up enough that we can travel by snow machine to different places. But aside from that, aviation is the number one tool used in all the ministry here. Right. And now would that be the only way they would receive food supplies and things like that as well then? That's that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so it is a logistical challenge. So that's one of my favorite parts of camp life is my official title is chaos coordinator. And one of the many things I do is figure out how to get uh, 450 campers, about 300 volunteers a year, and every light bulb and morsel of food and any other thing that we need to live and run camp here in and out via airplanes and to coordinate all of that. I love working with the volunteers and training and preparing them culturally Mm -hmm. for loving our kids in this area, understanding their culture and understanding the very special needs the kids that we work with have. I love developing curriculum and diving into God's word and thinking about what are the issues that the youth and the villages are facing right now and what stories from God's word and what theological concepts are just the next steps in their learning to bring about a holistic knowledge of who God is and how he offers them something better than what they now have. That's beautiful. Now help us a little bit, and I'm going off script here, but what would be some things that stand out culturally our listeners may you know find interesting with the ones that you're serving there? Yeah, the people, uh, there's many different people groups in Alaska, indigenous people groups. And so we work with several different people groups, the Aleuts, Yupik people, and Athabascan people mm-hmm. here at our camp. So those are completely different people groups with their own languages and culture. But there are some similarities in Alaska and the people of Alaska are incredibly resilient. Um, They are able to forge amazing pathways and ways of surviving and thriving in a very harsh climate and remote from a lot of outside help. They're very family oriented. They have very large families and love one another and are related to just about everybody in their villages. Um, So the family mapping of who's connected to who is pretty much everyone's connected to everyone. And you don't see in a village, you don't see a lot of homelessness or people going without because in a village, when you have you share with those who do not have, and you make sure that the elders, the older people of the village are cared for, and you make sure that the families are cared for, and people really try to watch out for one another. And it's, it's a beautiful life. There are some really hard things about village living. We experience a very high suicide rate, six times the national average. It's a very difficult life up here. And there's a really high incidence of things like alcohol abuse, drug abuse, domestic violence. The child abuse rates are incredibly high. And so a lot of our campers are coming from situations in which they have encountered a lot of trauma at a very early age in their lives. And so our heart is to reach out to those campers, but also to their entire families 
and Mm -hmm. to love on them well, and to see families experience healing that can only come about through the love of Christ. Yeah, it's incredible. It sounds like a huge need, and you guys are there on the ground helping provide the love of God in practical ways, as well as helping them understand that through all the uh, opportunities you have to share the Word of God with them and help them understand those concepts and His love for them. It's amazing. We're going to pause this mission chat there and continue our conversation with Brett and Christy in the next episode. I hope you'll be back to enjoy that one. And in the meantime, please, as always, encourage you to take a moment and leave a review or click some stars on your podcast platform of choice. God bless you. Have a great rest of the week. Find us online at missionchats.com.